If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. My guest today is the famous Kate Bradshaw. Kate, thank you so much for being here. You are so well-known and so well-spoken and so smart. And you podcast a lot and you interview a lot. And so I don't want to ask you the same questions. I'm hoping to ask you some different questions. And I appreciate your time. Well, anyone who wants to invite me on their show to start off with such high praise, you know, you can ask whatever you, whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I would describe myself as necessarily any any of those things, but it's great to have friends who think that of you. So let's go with it. Well, you definitely have friends. I'm your friend now, and I'm so grateful to be your friend because honestly, when I first met you, super, in, super you're super intimidating. You're very accomplished, and and I was, and I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to get to know you as a person because you're also really fun. You know, I was thinking about it as, with the invite to come and and chat with you on your podcast today, and I was thinking about like the first time. So I was running, I was serving on the city council, but but running for re-election. You were running, I think, for the first time. And I was doing this thing called um, Popsicles on the Porch. Yes, you were. Because um, it was summer and it was hot and I was in a primary. And uh, and I like Popsicles. And Bountiful, uh, where I serve, is, is known for uh, a little place called Paces that has Popsicles. And so I was doing that. And you reached out and you said, that is a really cute idea. Could I do the same thing but change it up? And I was like... Sure, you're running in a whole different city. So you ch- you took it, but you changed it up to donuts. Donuts uh, on the driveway. Donuts on the driveway. Yes, um, because we're known for our donuts in Caseville. Yeah, and so I thought that was really that was really cool. And then it kind of you know started a kind of dialogue about uh, the fun of the fun and challenges of running for <laughs> for public office. Well, and you were so awesome about that because I saw it and I thought, well, is that tacky to copy? But it was clever. I, you know, just such a clever I think it's flattering. way to get people to come over. Really? Okay, yeah. good. But if I had, because it was like, hey, I'm just, I'm just going to do this thing because uh, my husband likes to tell me that I have the, um, the food habits of a 12 year old boy. Um, so I love, <laughs> I love popsicles. My favorite candy is nerds, you know, in oh, the I box, like those too. the box. Yeah. Um, I like silly sour straws. Um, and so, uh, the popsicles on the porch was really it spoke to you. Really all about me. So the fact that anyone <laughs> thought uh, it was a clever idea, I was like, yes. Oh well, good. I'm glad. You- Thank you. See, that's why you're so cool because you would look at it from that perspective. I thought it was great. We did get to campaign at the same time. What made you decide to jump from the other side to public service? Besides the fact that I, I do know that you have talents and you saw probably a way to utilize your talents. You know, I had I've spent my my professional career working in government affairs, um, working with the legislature, uh, in particular, and um, and always from either that staff side or the advocacy side. And you know, there were uh, Bountiful's my hometown, and and there had been a handful of issues over the years where I thought I could help. 
Um, nobody runs for office either if they don't think they could do it better. So I did think I could do it better. Um, and, uh, you know, there there's things, um, I think, particularly in serving, you know, my hometown, I'd lived away for a number of years and then come back. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives you the ability to see your hometown through different eyes. Um, you know, there's always, when you say hometown, it makes you think of kind of nostalgia, right? Like, right. Um, all the things that home that encompasses. That you loved about that yeah. safety security. And then things you loved about other places you lived and then coming back and looking at it through fresh eyes. And so there are things I absolutely love about Bountiful. And then there's some things where I think we could add vibrancy, where where we need to think about how we continue to grow and adapt as as a suburb and what that means and um, different amenities that we can offer residents. And so um, I was excited, you know, about talking about some of those things that I think um, preserve, but then enhance the vibrancy. Um, and so that is, that's kind of what got me excited in thinking about running. You said Ben Bountiful is your hometown. Were you born and raised in Bountiful? Yes, I, I am born and raised. So Leo J. Muir Elementary, Mueller Park Junior High, Bountiful High School. And, and still a Bountiful <laughs> resident, of course. Tell me what you were like as a kid. Oh, what was I like? As I always want to find out what makes you you. What makes me me? So I'm I'm the oldest of five kids. I have three brothers uh, and a sister. The sisters are are on either on either end. Um, so classic large LDS family. Um, always interested and in, kind of driven by sports early on. Uh, I just I just loved playing sports. Um, soccer primarily later on. Um, basketball and volleyball became my primary sports. Um, I ran track. I've, I uh, played softball. Um, later on, <laughs> later on in life, played a lot of ultimate frisbee, um, mountain biking, skiing. I just, I just loved being outside. Loved doing um, sports, and so it was largely driven um, by that. As as a kid, is kind of the first thing I fell um, fell in love with. Um, fairly early on, also um, was interested in in politics and how things worked. So were you a debater? No, were I wasn't a... in debate, um, which is often a, a path for mm-hmm. people. Um, oldest of five, I, I can be a chatterbox. Um, and so early on when I'd be asking my parents a lot of, you know, the classic why questions kids ask, why this, why that, How, what does this mean? And, you know, my parents would have the news on or, you know, we had newspapers and, and, and things like that. And I'd be asking, what about this and what about that? And my, my parents would... Um, I think, honestly, as a way to get me to stop asking questions, would say, you know, I don't know, but what if we wrote, President Reagan was president at the time, what if we wrote, what if you wrote that to President Reagan and asked asked him? <laughs> and so I wrote <laughs> with, like, with my crayons letters to President Reagan, and my mom mailed them off. Did she really? She did. She mailed them off to White House. I have some of my, my scrapbook that they've saved, and some also to President uh uh, Bush. Did um, you get responses? H.W. Bush. I did. And that was actually really informative for me as, as, as a young girl was um, that I'd send off these these letters and then letters would come back. And I look at them now through adult eyes and I realize what they are. I, I interned in Washington, D.C. I wrote many letters on behalf of my congressman, often answered a lot of like scout letters. Um, so now I realize that probably some intern from the you know 1980s wrote these back to me, but they were always like, you know, uh, you know, I'm so glad, young friend, that you have reached out and and um, glad that you have, have, have engaged in these issues. And it's so important that young people do so. And then here's like a signed picture of, you know, of me 
for you. And so the president didn't necessarily address my concerns, but to <laughs> me, in my mind, I felt like we were having a dialogue, like he was engaging me, mm-hmm. you know, in the way adults sometimes don't do kids where you you take my, you know, my questions seriously. And, and so the president wrote me back and that was just always been really impactful and always foundational to how I believe government should work. Um, and so there's a, ser- there's a series of these um, with President Reagan and, and President H.W. Bush where, uh, you know, they got, they got little, little letters on my like school lined paper with your suggestions uh with my thought by you know deeply held beliefs about the, <laughs> the important country. issues of the 80s <laughs> and the early 90s uh and and then got these back and so it made me feel like government was accessible government was engaging um that even though i was this little girl in bountiful utah that the president had time to to care um or at least his interns had time to <laughs> to respond to, to respond care. to you. Yeah, and so that that was always interesting to me, and so it kind of opened up this other avenue where I was I've always paid attention to to politics and policy, and and often kind of asking why and how come. You bring up a really good point, and I recently read a book, and of course I don't remember the full name right now, but it was about it's about table table dinner time conversations and how they're different in different families. And and how those conversations really do steer you in a direction as children towards towards science or towards law or towards politics or towards whatever it is service, because um, a lot of times the conversations that you're having you're asking your parents these questions and they say well why don't you write to the president and why don't you ask him most people don't have those kind of conversations, and so I think you're really fortunate to be able to have grown up in a family where the, they did take place. Yeah, it was a, it was a different. I mean, honestly, I think it was a, a variation on the, like the quiet game. I'll give you a dollar if you can be quiet for, <laughs> which is what my parents would do to me <laughs> for a certain amount of time. And instead, it was, let's get those crayons out. Let's write. Let's write a letter. Let's draw a picture for the president. Because um, you know, I mean, growing up in the eighties, right? President Reagan right, was, was such a was such a figure, an absolutely. icon, especially a little kid. He's on TV, and dynamic, and yeah. And then I had a I had a, a one of my grandmothers in particular who was engaged in. Um, philanthropy and fundraising, and uh, it was a real kind of mover and shaker in a way that women of her generation kind of often weren't in, in the business uh, world. Um, she was fairly influential in making me feel like, you know, why not? Why not engage? That's really neat. How about your siblings? Did they follow in in these footsteps? Were they as uh, some of them have had to harass or? to to register to vote? Their <laughs> you know, um, each of us has picked very different paths um, that that each of us, each of them are very passionate about. Um, I, I think sometimes that's really good for siblings, right? That everyone has a different thing, mm-hmm, different lane. Um, you know, I have a brother that's uh, that's an engineer, um, has always been interested and geared that way. How things how things work, taking things apart, um, you know, understanding all that stuff, and so um, he he works for. Um, one of the refineries and, and, you know, has a whole career path in that engineering realm. I have another brother that's, that's a, that's a businessman. He's, he kind of followed in, in my dad and grandfather's uh, footsteps. And, you know, he, he's really driven by sales. Like he loves that kind of thrill. That of the, competition. Yeah. The competition, the thrill of the sell. He, you know, he really grooves on that. Um, another brother um, has always been, he, he's our brother. I call him the squirrel. He was always the saver. He was always the one that had money. Mm. Like, 
Everyone <laughs> borrowed from. Yeah, the borrowed from. Um, and he, he's been really good at that. And so he's been interested in different business ventures and property management and and um, real estate. And that has led him in in that direction. And he's he's actually my, my youngest brother, my baby brother. But like he's already paid. He and his wife have already paid off their house. Um, you know, they're always That's they're always saving and impressive. doing cool projects. Um, and then my youngest sister, um, f- for a while, she was very interested in outdoor sports and you know, skiing in particular and was working in the in the ski industry and retail sales. And then in COVID, you know, did this big pivot um, and has gotten really into uh, working with um uh, people with disabilities and customize education software to help them. Really, um, particularly it's kind of older older p- people that are aging out of K through twelve as they're then trying to train to do jobs and how you can kind of teach them the things they need to do in order to do the job. And so she's gotten really into and has been you know kind of quickly promoted within this this company made this big pivot. So we're all in different, very different slices, but um, <clears throat> really close to my siblings. Quite frankly, they're. A huge part of my life. Um, we have what we call the sibling code. What is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, this speaks to my childhood in the 80s. Um, so mutually assured destruction, right, was a big part of the Cold War. <laughs> How we <laughs> held the system in tension. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, just the Cold War was such a big thing for the uh, 80s. And so as a kid, I learned about mutually assured destruction, right? Like, we hold certain weapons and things, and the Soviet Union held them. And if so we both one of us. knew we had them, then, then you know, like, we held the system in tension, and, and nobody, you know, like, nothing bad happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it dawned on me fairly early as the oldest kid, you know, kids go through that thing where they tattle on each other. Uh-huh. Or you're in trouble. You've totally done something. You've been caught. And... um in order to somehow, in your kid brain, this seems to make sense. If you rat out one of your siblings, then maybe you won't be in trouble. They'll be in trouble. Mm-hmm. But usually what happens is you're both you're in, all trouble. in trouble. Right? You're all in trouble. So I figured that out um, and realized and created an alliance with my siblings where we essentially held uh, held the, the secrets, the things <laughs> that we would have otherwise been in trouble for, things that we had broken or done or <laughs> snuck out or things and uh and all you had to kind of do when it looked like you were going to get snitched on was to remind, to remind one of the other that, the that there was a sibling code and we held those things in um so one of my favorite <laughs> examples of this i feel like every house growing up has that thing where you that place where you like chase each other mm-hmm. around right um uh it's just a, like an island in the kitchen an or... island or yeah so in our house growing up there was an area where you could kind of run around the main staircase and part of it had tile that was really slick and then part of it had carpet. So like in your socks, you could kind of slide out around the tile and make up speed. Yeah. And do this, do this thing, you know, right? It's like every house has that place if you've got siblings. Right. Um, and in this, in this niche by the stairs, my mom had this like kind of writing desk, like fancy writing desk that like totally never got used. It was like decorative. It was like this old, style with these spindly legs um that was kind of there for decoration purposes and i was i was the oldest i was babysitting when i i was in charge and we got into a fight or a tussle about bedtime or or something and one of these classic chases ensued around the staircase and i don't remember actually which sibling did it but one of us spun out in our socks on the tile and actually i think it was my brother scott 
um, spun out and he hit the leg of this desk Ooh. and it just snapped off. Oh. It just snapped off. Um, and it was one of those moments, right, as kids where you all dummy up and you're like all back on the same team because we were all going to be in so much <laughs> trouble. Um, and so what we kind of realized in the way this leg had had broken off the table, it kind of had these splinters and we could we realized we could put the leg back in that it would hold. And um, because of the way it had splintered and broken, so we could put the leg back in and make this desk kind of stand up. And then we also realized that we could get some brown and black markers because this desk was this old patina, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it kind of had this dark old wood patina to it. And so we very carefully colored the places where it splintered where the raw wood. Yeah. So it, so we, we fixed this. We fixed this, and it looked it looked good. You couldn't tell because it was this antique desk. Like it, it already had some. It had some dings. Yeah, it wasn't like pristine. It had character and patina to it. And then everyone, you know, quickly got in jammies and went to bed, and we were all like perfect, <laughs> perfect. when my parents got home. And quite early, Tammy, we went we went years. Really, my parents remodeled the main floor of their home uh, when I was in college. And, you know, so then they were going to rip out this tile floor and put in something else. And it was at that point where they were moving this desk um, to to clear everything out of the main floor for this major remodel that then they lifted it up and the leg fell off. And <laughs> so at this point, like the statute of limitations, right, has run. Uh-huh. Um, I, at this point, like one brother's on a mission. I'm off in college. No, one can, no one's home to be punished. <laughs> no one's home to be punished. And, and my parents thought, well, it's just this antique debt. Like they didn't. They really didn't. They didn't. They didn't realize. And so um, that is my best That's example hilarious. of the sibling code. And that, that, that holds awesome. to this day, quite frankly, just, um, you know, my, my brothers and my sister are really did, important relationships. Did you guys fess up and, and tell them? It is, now a, it, is, it is now known. It is now a, a, a family story. That's a story. great story. That's a great. Because <laughs> as kids, we, we all have something like that. But yours was really tight. You guys were tight-lipped about that. We were really, yeah, I I. I I, you had a strong alliance going. We had a strong alliance, and I feel uh, I feel really good about the fact that I took those <laughs> lessons <laughs> in school about the Cold War and the Soviet right. Union, and then realized I could translate them to my siblings. That's and awesome. like I said, we were we are incredibly incredibly close. Um, you know, my brothers, my sister, and and you know now they're uh, awesome. their spouses and. Um, well, and and I really love how you you took those lessons from the Cold War to your sibling code forward. So now you work with the state legislature, and you're a lobbyist, and you're an attorney. And I'm sure that there are some alliances that you I, also relationships. We call them a relationships. <laughs> we got relationships. Uh, you know, uh, you're so good at relationships. You know, relationships and friendships they're 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 important. You know, I have I have some really great. Um, friends and 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 um you know political allies i work with uh up at the state capitol um you know utah politics is a is kind of it's a it's a small pool um and i'm lucky that i've gotten to work with some really great um friends um people that i consider friends and then you know colleagues and it's great when those things kind of you know uh overlap um, and so, and, and some really awesome mentors in that group, uh, getting to work directly for the legislature and then shifting roles and working with the legislature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you, it's like a master class on 104, there's 104 legislators for your listeners, yes. uh, 104 different ways of leading. 
104 different ways of dealing with constituents, 104, you know, different ways of, of tackling a problem. And, and so over the years, I th- I just think that's been a real um, benefit to me when I then decided to, to also move into public service is to be able to, you know, watch these, watch these people up close during the legislative session and, and say, you know what, someday when I'm, I'm in that role, mm-hmm. I'm going to borrow a page out of that person's book on how they're handling their communications with constituents or how they're engaging to um, take a complex issue and, and, you know, find the pieces that work. And then, oh my gosh, I vow I will never handle things that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I will, I I didn't like the way that person treated me, so I will endeavor not to do that. And so, uh, the, the Utah legislature and, and all of the different issues it tackles and all the different personalities that have passed through serving in the legislature have, have uh, provided an interesting masterclass for me over the last many years. And I would be the first one to sign up for that class because you're you're so good at it and you've had insights and <clears throat> a really great perspective in terms of what does work and what doesn't. So as a new as a new mayor, for example, um, do you have any good advice? I know you also have a new mayor in, in Bountiful with Kendall Lynn, and she's fantastic. But do you have any good advice in terms of how to really navigate? What I love about Utah at least from what I'm seeing, is that we can agree to disagree and we can do it politely, but also strongly. And we, I don't see the infighting, and maybe it's because I'm not at the Capitol every day, but I, from my perspective, it doesn't look like that we have total chaos going on. Mm-hmm. And so how do, how do we navigate that? When one day you're on the same team, the next day you're on opposite teams, is there a, is there a good... Good way to go about it. Good way, yes. You know, I've long told people, I believe, in what I call the junior jazz theory of lobbying. Okay. And, uh, you know, in case you're wondering what the junior jazz theory of lobbying is, um, at the state capitol or at city hall, it doesn't matter. You you, you move through issues fast. If you're looking at a city council agenda, there's going to be votes on, you know, a dozen things, things right. in, in, in one council meeting. And at the legislature, in a committee hearing or when they're having floor debate, they're going to move through issues really fast. And, you know, you're going to go from issue A, where you and I may see it differently, to issue B, where we totally see it the same way. Mm-hmm. And um, and so where does the junior jazz theory of lobbying come from? You know, this comes from growing up and, you know, the cool reversible jerseys you'd get when you played junior jazz. And then you just switch to, yeah. Yeah, and so... I've always I've always found that people can absolutely respect someone who is working hard, playing hard, um, uh, energetic, and even strident in their beliefs. As long as you're you're not committing cheap fouls, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so in in junior jazz, you know, you show up to play, and they they you know so many people get put on the purple team, and so many people get put on the green team. But then you show up to play the next day, and your jerseys are going to switch, and, and you're mixed up again. And so my goal has always been. Um, that when I find myself opposite someone, that they they always feel like I'm within the bounds of fair play. Okay, they're never going to think, hopefully, that I'm you know I'm a weak opponent, that I'm a I'm a worthy opponent, that that the information I'm bringing is um, is accurate, it's valid, it's compelling, and they're going to do the same, mm-hmm. and we're going to have uh, this mutual respect yet yet difference of viewpoints. And then on issue B, when it's time for us to switch those jerseys and we're on the same side, they're still going to want to throw me, you know, throw me the ball um, because we've we've had that foundation that, that I wouldn't be known for, you know, cheap fouls or cheap shots um, or stunts. 
Um, I, I particularly dislike political stunts. <laughs> um, so play fair, right? Yeah. Play fair, be genuine. Play fair. And I found I have found in my um, professional work and in, in my work on the city council that that when I'm doing it that way, um, that we get great things done and, and I have the respect of the people uh, that I'm working with and the people I'm working against. Um, and it's when you move into that other arena where, um, you know, you have that, that loss of trust and respect. I do think uh, the Utah legislature and in local government, it's that last level where we're all together, often in the same room, working to solve problems. Um, when I when I lived in D- in Washington D.C. and worked uh, at that level, um, one of the things I quickly noticed was that they're not usually all in the same room, and and the debates and speeches you hear are often to an empty room with some pages and a clerk and the C-SPAN cameras, and I feel like that changes what you say if you don't have to look across the table at the person saying it. And that makes a big difference in what we sometimes call, you know, the Utah way. Um, If if you're, if you're interested in solving a problem with someone because you're going to long-term solve a lot of problems with them, then the way you engage and, and interact with them is probably a little bit different. That makes a lot of sense. And that's true. And I'm glad that at, at a Utah way, at Utah level, doing things the Utah way is so important to, to everybody. Because you're right, we're having conversations across across the table or in in person, and that and that relationship is so important to us moving forward that we're going to be more respectful and handle things differently. As a as an attorney, when you started your career, did you picture yourself doing this, being a legislator, being well, a lobbyist, being? And I work for a law firm. And a lot of people think I'm an attorney. I actually am the director of government affairs. Oh, okay. And um, it's an oft- it's often because I work for I work for a law firm, but I run their government affairs uh, division. And my job at the firm, quite frankly, is to think flexibly about the law. Oh, okay. The attorneys often I think in in the black and white of what the law is, okay. how it will apply to you if you've done something wrong, um, how it applies to you in a contract situation. And my job is to say, well, if you've been Finding that to be a frustrating experience, perhaps it doesn't need to continue to be that. Maybe we change the law. Maybe we change um, how it applies to you. Or maybe we make, you know, if you're finding you're consistently tripped up by something, maybe we ask, what is the public policy reason that exists? Does it is it important for sense. life, health, and safety? Oh, okay. Or is it not? If it's not, let's make a case that ought to change. And so um, I spend a lot of time in the law, and I spend a lot of time with attorneys. Um, but it... it but but you're on the I'm on the I'm on the lobbying side, side. Okay. yeah and you know how did I end up on that path it was not necessarily you know it wasn't when I was writing those letters to President Reagan where I thought <laughs> I'd go um, you know through through high school and then definitely through college I'd started to formulate that I thought serving in embassies overseas would be really cool as part of the State Department part of the Foreign Service. Um, and and after working a little bit in, in Washington D.C., I was like, eh, this is this is this is fun, this is cool, but but you know, I wasn't as impressed with the process. Um, so I was headed the direction of the Foreign Service, and then it was kind of a weird serendipity thing. Um, I was waiting. Um, I passed the Foreign Service exam. Was waiting for the next phase. There, I came home to Utah for that summer. Um, uh, I had graduated from college, and so I was, you know, kind of 
didn't have much going on as I was waiting. And so I volunteered on a campaign for someone who's running for mayor of, of Salt Lake City and kind of rediscovered oh, my love okay. of Utah, of home, um, kind of spent time in local government and was like, ha, this is where I'm seeing things happen, where I see things stall in D.C. And so kind of rediscovered that path. There is also um, a story of the person I was dating, breaking up with the person I was dating when I lived in Washington, D.C., meeting the person who would become my husband here? back here in Utah. Fantastic. Uh, that's, you know, could be its own separate podcast. Um, but that kind of made a shift. And so that led to, uh, you know, working for the Utah Republican Party, then working for the Utah legislature for a, a past speaker of the state house. Um, and then at, at a certain point, uh, my husband happens to be a school teacher mm-hmm. and I was a, a state employee and we um, we had no money but really awesome health insurance <laughs> uh, because of, of those jobs. Right. And an opportunity came up to to move into the hallways. And it wasn't something I necessarily thought or planned on to move to that lobbying side. But I realized um, it provided opportunities to continue to use the political system to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sports had been an important part of my life. And so I kind of... You're I part kind of a of, team. Yeah, kind of liked that, that angle uh, and part of it. And so moved you know, moved into the the hallway side and and have been on that side representing trade associations, grocers and retailers for a long time. And then uh, moving over to the law firm and, you know, kind of covering issues from A to Z. Well, it's it's an interesting pathway. And I I appreciate you explaining that because, you know, people see somebody and -hmm. they think, boy, you're you're doing all these things. and, And how do you keep track of it all? And how do you organize yourself? But they don't realize, okay, this is the path that got you there. And these are the steps that it, that that are in play in order to accomplish what you're doing. So you're on the board of directors for the ULCT, mm-hmm. and you're a city council person in Bountiful. What's next for you? Do you have any? Ah, uh, well, you know, um, my term on the city council will be up next summer. So my immediate plans uh, are to to run for re-election uh, to the Bountiful City oh, Council good. and and keep serving. Uh, my hometown. There's there's been a number of cool projects I've worked on. I'm I'm very proud of our our trails master plan that we've absolutely that we've started and and are uh, under construction, but have more to do in Bountiful. We're in the middle of redoing our general plan, mm-hmm. um, which is which is I think critically important to how we continue to build and shape Bountiful. I, I I'm excited about that process and, and want to see that through. I enjoy my work on behalf of all cities at the League of Cities and Towns, where we serve on that board together. Um, I represent all the cities in Utah on the Outdoor Adventure Commission, which is a statewide effort on outdoor recreation and planning. Um, so I want to continue to do to do those uh, those things. So those are those are some of the immediate plans. Um, you know, I also have like big plans about I'm gonna ride my bike more. Um, <laughs> right, I'm going to I'm going to you know, especially as we move out of this COVID era, I'm gonna go back to I'm a little bit of a foodie. I'm gonna find and enjoy all, a whole bunch of Oh, good. New restaurants um, and and things like that. Spend more spend more time out in nature, uh, you know, camping and hiking with my husband and our dog. And so. And looking forward to the next legislative session, right, which will keep you very busy, I know. <laughs> yes. The, there's uh, there's always a session coming, so you can never not be looking in some stage of preparation for it. <laughs> well, Kate, thank you. You're fantastic and so interesting to talk to. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. 
To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.